It's hard to imagine now, but there once was a time where there were no churches on Old St. Augustine Road. <clears throat> They're going to a place where there's no church. And you see how it, the church makes a difference. Uh, there was a time where there weren't churches in Jacksonville. There's a time now where there's no church where there's going. And so what we do is we have this incredible privilege to be this little church in Mandarin that is a part of putting churches where there are no churches. That's a fantastic investment of the resources that God has blessed you with. So I invite you to invite the Lord to lead you in that regard. And our time in the scriptures these days, uh, together as a church, we're looking at maturing as Christ followers. And I want to acknowledge as we begin again this morning that because of that, <clears throat> we haven't really talked a lot about the gospel. You understand what I mean? Uh, maturing as a Christ follower is for those who have already embraced Jesus as Savior. But you understand a person doesn't mature until they're born. <laughs> and a Christian doesn't mature until they are born again. And so as you listen this morning about maturity, don't miss the first and most important question. Have you begun a relationship with Jesus Christ in which you are now maturing? In other words, have you? Because no one, no one, no matter what people say, no one's been a Christian their entire life. Some people say that to me. I've been a Christian my whole life. No, that's not true. You were born separated from God because of sin. And the only way a person moves from being separated to God to becoming a child of God to being a Christian is by admitting their sin and believing that Jesus did something for them that they could not do for themselves. Placing their faith in him. So, I hope you'll ask yourself this morning, have you placed your faith in Jesus? If so, then a life that has placed faith in Jesus begins, the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. And so there's this maturing process where every aspect of my life is impacted by now my relationship with Jesus. That's what we mean by maturing. And specifically this morning, we want to look at what it means for my relationship with Christ to impact how I go to work, what I do, and how I do it at work. So there's two passages in the New Testament, Colossians 3. So let me invite you to turn there, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read some verses from Colossians 3 that tell us what maturity looks like, spiritual maturity looks like at work. And then we're going to go to Ephesians 6, and we're going to read some more verses that talk about what it looks like when you're spiritually mature at work. Now, let me give you a hint as we read both passages. You're going to, you're going to think, they sound exactly the same. That's true. Because what he says is true about being spiritually mature in the at work in the city of Colossa is the same thing it looks like for spiritual maturity in Ephesus. And it's the same thing that looks like spiritual maturity in Jacksonville. All right. So, uh, but we're going to read both of them. Join me, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Ah, but before. See, I was too quick to get to the scriptures. But before we get there, I say this, uh, mature workers in a fallen world because a, a biblical view of work understand that work existed before sin entered the world and will be present in a perfect eternal future. You see what I'm saying? That when God created the world and he created Adam and Eve and, he, and it says he blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and rule over it, their work came before sin. Sin, work is not a result of sin. Work's good. God works. Work is good. Can you say that? Work is good. 
<laughs> you might not like your work, but work is good. And we know work is good because it was present before sin entered the world. And when there is a new heaven and a new earth, there'll be work. If you read Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter in the Bible, you know what you'll find? Work. You read Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter in the Bible, you know what you'll find? Work. Work in a fallen world is good, but it's hard in a way that it wasn't before sin and won't be after sin. Work is good, but it's hard. And what makes work hard? Come on, you, you can say it. People. People is what makes work hard, right? Yes. I'll never forget, my, my kids were playing with another family, and I, I left church, went over and picked them up, and I was talking to the dad before we left, and he owned his own company, and he said, I am so tired of all the people who are trying to oversee all these people. I, I, just wanna, I just wanna sell my business and go into the ministry. And I, just like you, I laughed. And then I realized, oh, he's not laughing. He's serious. Seriously deceived, but he was serious. And that somehow, ministry would be work that didn't involve people. But oftentimes, it's, it's people that make our work hard, whether it's our coworkers or our boss, or if you're the boss, people is what make hard work. So what's it look like in a time where, I, and I want to see, I, I tell you that because I'm going to acknowledge work is, is good, but it is hard. I'm not here to say, hey, if you think work's hard, come on, get over it. It is hard. Nevertheless, it's good. And I want to invite you into this passage. Now, Ephesians chapter 6. After I told you to turn to Colossians 3. Wow. Works hard because of people. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Because ah, I, I did it that way because it comes first, but then I forgot. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service, how? As to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, okay, put yourself right there, uh, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, bosses, whether your team is one or a hundred, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours, because even though you're a boss, you have a master, is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. Now, Colossians chapter 3, which is three pages in my Bible. I don't know how many in yours. Colossians chapter 3, very similar. Beginning in verse 22. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. And it goes into chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, again, bosses, grant to your slaves, your workers, justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. All right. That's a lot of verses. I hope what you heard, one overarching idea repeated multiple times in both passages. The spiritually mature 
have this biblical core value about work. God is my boss. God is my boss. Yes, I have a boss, but, and even if you're the boss, you have a boss. But even regardless, regardless of your earthly boss, you have a boss in heaven. The Lord is your boss. It said it most directly, whatever you do, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Whatever you do. Okay, so let me answer this question. If, if you have children or grandchildren and they're going to school, they might go, well, this passage doesn't have anything because I don't have a job. What would you tell them? Yeah, you've told them this, haven't you? School's your job. Yeah, mom was like, I'm on it. School's your job. Which makes their, their teachers their, their boss. Have you told your kids that? Yes, you have. What if you're retired? Some of you are retired. You have answers for students. What, what are your answers for you? <laughs> yeah, some, some guys are pointing to their wives. I've got a boss. <laughs> I see it happening. Or vice versa. Hey, uh, do you have a boss in retirement? Yeah, I hate to kill this whole thing that you've been working for your entire life. You know, I'm going to retire so I don't have a boss. I get to be my own boss. Even when you're retired, you have a boss. In other words, you're accountable to the Lord, even in retirement. Stay-at-home mom. You have a boss. You have accountability for the Lord. Uh, I, I'm just helping you see if you think, oh man, this passage doesn't apply to me because I'm a student or I'm a stay-at-home mom or, uh, or I'm retired. You don't actually go to a place who actually has you on a payroll. This absolutely applies to you because whatever you do, go to school, take care of the house, go to work, don't go to work. You do something in retirement, right? Whatever you do, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. If you think, oh, I want to retire so I don't have a boss. No, you're going to have a boss in retirement. His name is the Lord. The spiritually mature work with God as their boss. Whatever your job, whoever your boss. Whoever your boss, God is your boss. Not all bosses act like the Lord. Right? That's absolutely true. Hey, not all governing officials act like the Lord. But the scripture says clearly, you listen? The scripture says clearly, they are ministers of God. Whether they, hey, not all ministers live like ministers of God. Correct? Yeah. Not all governing officials act like the Lord. Not all bosses act like the Lord. Whatever you do, whoever your boss The Lord's my boss. And that changes how I serve. Okay, that's, that's for the spiritually mature. But what, what did we say at the beginning? Maturity is a process, right? So we, we don't always start there. So let me acknowledge that before we came to Christ, here's the way we viewed life. I'm going to demonstrate Here's the way we viewed life. We had our job, all right? Now you may go, I don't wear a hard hat, but this just, rep, rep, whatever you do, this represents your job. Whether you stay at home, go to school, retire, go to work. You have your job, and then you have 
my time, right? You, you go to work and you can't wait for the weekend because that's my time. And I can't wait to get off because once I'm off work, there's my time. Before, listen, before we come to Christ, just look around at our culture. What do they think? They got their job and then they got our time, my time. That's the way we live apart from Christ. Then we come to Christ and we realize, oh, God says that he's gifted me with a spiritual gift to be a part of the building up of the body of Christ. And, and he says, follow me and I'll make you what? I'll make you a fisher of men. And so now, oh, am I supposed to quit my job and become a fisher of men? Well, oh, I still need an income. So here's this, I move from what? My time, excuse me, my job and my time to now there's, I have my job and then I have my time, but part of my time now is spending serving the Lord. You see what I'm saying? I have my job and then I leave my job and I go home. Part of my, my time is some God moments in there. It, it, it's this, this pathway to maturity moves from God is absent. It's just my job and my time. Can you remember that time in your life? Or then we move from absence to what I would call a divided life. There is my job and I still have my time, but now I've included some God moments in my time. Some of you are really reluctant to do that because you're like, my job takes so much time. When I finally get my time, I ain't got no time for God moments. But the scripture says that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a role to play. And if in my time there are no God moments, I need to grow up and recognize there to be God moments where I, whether it's on a Sunday morning or a, a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Saturday when I go downtown to help, there are moments where I'm to take some of my time and serve the Lord. But as we mature in Christ, we recognize this divided life of God moments in my time, but in my job, there ought to be some God moments during my job, right? See what I'm saying? So there's this, and sometimes we start small, you know, somebody sneezes at work and we go, God bless you. <laughs> and then we take it off. And you may go, oh, come on. Hey, that might be a first step. God bless you. Or somebody has, somebody at work dies or a family member dies. And you say to them, because their family member dies, in the middle of work, hey, I'll pray for you. And then you take it off. Or you get bold and you go, hey, I'm going to work all morning. And then I'm going to take my hat off and we're going to do a God moment at lunch, a Bible study at lunch. And then when Bible study's over, then I'm going to take that hat off and I'm going to go back to work. It's what I would simply call Cameos, Christian cameos, where, where you're at work, but you have these moments where you have God moments at work. Are you tracking with me? It started where God was absent, and then you had this divided life of my job and some God moments in my time, and now I have this moment where I have still God moments in my time, but now I'm looking for God moments on my job. Now, why am I doing all this foolishness? <laughs> to help you understand, this is not maturity right here. This is sometimes where we get stuck, though. We get stuck with cameo Christian moments at work. And we think, well, the more cameos I have, then maturity. 
But maturity isn't cameos. Maturity is what? God is my, my boss. Whatever I do, whoever my boss. And I, I recognize that maturity is integrating my life in Christ with my job, right? So integrated, what, what's that look like? That means my life in Christ is now integrated with my job. But this looks stupid, right? Yes, it does. I can't even hear a mirror, but I'm sure it looks stupid. And if there's one thing our culture likes to do, it's to portray Christians as weird. So don't go to work like this. Integrated actually exchanges, watch. It exchanges this idea of there's my job and then there's my Christian life. And every once in a while, the two intersect. The Christian mature response is I move to where, if you can't read it, a life where I live all the time where Jesus is my boss. Where? At work? Where else? At home. Uh, on the weekend. When I go to school. And when I retire. See, Christian maturity goes, oh, all my moments are God moments. That's the integrated life. All my moments are God moments. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, can I bring these truths together? Remember we said the problem with tithing is that in tithing, what I think of is this. If I pay 10%, if I give 10% to God, then the other 90% is mine. And we can think, but, but the scripture says, no, it all belongs to the Lord. And therefore, I'm accountable for the Lord for how I spend, how I save, and how I share. When it comes to this area of work, we move from this. God's not a part of it at all. To, well, God gets Sundays. My job gets other parts of my week, and I get the rest. And then we realize, well, third step, remember what? Cameo, I, I should bring God into God moments, not only in my weekend, but God moments into my Monday through Friday. To this, 24 seven, 365. I live in a manner that I'm always accountable to the Lord. Does that make a difference? Man, that, that, this, is, this is huge, friends. I think we've, we've settled for this idea that I should have some God moments, Jesus moments at work versus, no, I, I want to live and work, and come home from work, and go back to work, and take a week off, and then work some overtime, all under this umbrella of Jesus is my boss. Now, I walked you through that journey because I hope you would see yourself somewhere. That maybe you go, wow, God is, God's absent. Or that you go, nah, I have a divided life. I kind of see he gets some days and then uh, the rest are mine. And then I'm trying to do this cameo thing at work to 24-7-365. Whether I'm a student, employed, an employer, or retired. See, once I get this, it really doesn't matter exactly what I do. This is what he's getting at. Whatever you do, whatever you do, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And when he 
is boss. Here's some things that will be true about us according to the text. You will work hard. That's what the text says. You will work hard. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, wholeheartedly. In other words, full throttle. Laziness is a stain on the name of Jesus. Half-hearted work, stain on the name of Jesus. Part of living an integrated life is not that, oh, I just go to work so I can just share that. I never do what my boss does. I just share the gospel all the time. Well, they ought to fire you. Seriously. Because that's not what they're paying you to do. You ought to work hard for what they are paying you to do. Assume it's moral and legal. You ought to work hard at what they are paying you to do. That honors the Lord. You work hard because you recognize good boss, bad boss, crazy boss. Jesus is my boss. And I'm going to work hard doing what my earthly master says to please him. Because hard work is unto the Lord. Just ask yourself whether you're a student, a worker, stay at home, retired. Work hard at retirement? Yeah, you can work hard in retirement. Just not a paycheck, but you can work hard. Do your work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. The mature are dependable. They're dependable. Be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Our God is faithful. And as his children, I hope it's known about you, again, whatever you do, that you're dependable. So watching, uh, maybe some of you watch All Creatures Great and Small, PBS. Helen said to Siegfried on the episode I watched last night. Siegfried, if I said I'd do it, I did it. He followed up with her. Did you do what I told you to do? And she said, if I said I would do it, I did it. That's dependability. That is a a fantastic expression of maturity, dependability. The mature work with joy. Are you happy every day you go to work? You don't really need to tell me, I know. None of us are happy every day we go to work. Yeah, Toller's making a face at me, but I know, because he worked three offices away, and sometimes he comes in dragging, like he'd been up late or something with college students. Hey, you might not go to work every day happy, but you can, because it's the Lord Christ you serve, you can be joyful every day. My knee's been bugging me, and so I went to a doctor here a couple of weeks ago, and that lady who checked me in, you would have thought there were daggers in her eyes. <clears throat> there, there was kind of like three people across, and so I walked into this floor, and I wasn't sure really where to go, and, and she looked up, and I said, she, didn't, she just looked at me, and I was like, am I supposed to come over there? And she was like, yes. Okay. Name? Birthday? Any allergies? Uh, allergic to Scrooges. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I was like, I, I wanted to be that guy in that commercial, don't be your parents, who then goes and tells the boss that, you need, to, you need to, like, tell that lady to, like, drink some Kool-Aid or something. 
terrible. Now, she may have been a may have been a hard day. I'm not judging her in the sense of what her circumstances were. And maybe she wasn't a believer. But we who are believers, who are we serving? We're serving Jesus is our boss. So let's make it our ambition to whatever we do, whoever our boss, serve with joy. Joyful people make a difference in this world. Have you noticed that? Joy, grumpy is, grumpy is the default. So let's not go to the default. Don't merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I have this real sense of, it's the Lord that I'm serving. And so, though I might not always be happy, I can engage in my work joyfully as unto the Lord. And you'll bless people. Whatever you do, you'll bless people if you'll be a joyful person. They'll be glad they interacted with you because they've interacted with Mr. and Mrs. Grump enough. They'll be happy. And that's part of how we live as salt and light. We, we do whatever we do, whoever our boss, with joy. And then the mature honor positions, positions of authority. Positions. Why do we honor positions of authority, friends? Do you know why? Not because everybody who fills them deserves honor in terms of how they function. Why do we honor them? Because they fill a God-ordained position. common workplace habit is this. You, you have kind of a bad boss, and what do workers bond over? Complaining about the boss. You notice that? I was connected closely to a marriage at one point where I realized the only time that husband and wife bond is when they have a common enemy. It was kind of sad to me. But that often happens in the workplace. There's a, we're going to bond over complaining about the boss. And I'm not saying your complaints might not be legitimate. I'm just saying, honor the God-ordained positions of authority and don't be part of the group that bonds over that. That's maturity, spiritually. Spiritually, maturity, I can look past the person and honor the position. Make sense? <clears throat> so just, just look at this, friends, and go, all right, whatever I do, school, job, my job is stay at home, take care of the house, Retired, work hard, dependable, joyful on our authority. We don't instantly become mature, but we're to grow towards maturity. You see, the way we move past, are you tracking now? The way we move past these cameo appearances at work where we kind of have a Christian moment is we live with these attributes. And now it's an integrated. And why am I doing these things? Because I love my job? Maybe, but maybe not. Because I love my boss? Maybe, maybe not. Why am I doing these things? Because Jesus is my boss. Hey, imagine going to work tomorrow with that, or staying at home tomorrow with that. 
going to school tomorrow with that. Engaging your retirement with a new, fresh perspective. Jesus is my boss in retirement. Doesn't stop there. It's not only that he is my boss. It's this whole idea of I do what I do with integrity. Integrity. Integrity simply means this idea that there's not a division. There's consistency in how I function. And this is what, in both passages, Paul addresses. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers. Eye service means what? I work hard when... When the boss is looking. <laughs> I treat people well when the boss is looking. Mrs. Grump at the reception desk cheers up when the doc shows up. We understand. Oh, I got to play the game. And we don't do that. There's, there's not this, this visible, obvious difference to the people I work with, with how I am when the boss is around and why, how I am when the boss isn't around. And I have integrity for the simple reason that my true boss is always around. <laughs> now that might sound like, oh, that's, that's a little cheesy. No, that's, that's not cheesy at all. My, my true boss is always around my true boss always has eyes to see how I'm working and how I am joyful or not joyful, whether I'm dependable or not. Relationally speaking, integrity means that I treat all people with kindness and grace, not just those who will benefit me, not just those who we think are important customers, important in our life who we'll get some return for and to treat all people with kindness and grace. Come back to in a moment where that flows from. But integrity, relationally, Consistent with how I treat people. Because you know what it says about my father, my heavenly father? That he is kind to evil and ungrateful men. Luke chapter 6, if you're wondering. He is kind and merciful to evil and ungrateful people. Sometimes the way people act, we excuse ourselves to go, you know, rude meets rude. That's not the way the Lord, praise the Lord. That's not the way the Lord engages. So integrity is, I treat all people with kindness and grace. Give up threatening. not, if the Lord has given you a, a place of leadership, whether it's in your home, at your school, at the job, or even in some place where you are serving, working in retirement, if you have a place of leadership, give up threatening. And when you see it, Lord, that's not you. Repent of it. Give up threatening. The mature do right and admit wrong. And this is an important pair together. The mature integrity says, uh, I'm going to do right, not just when people are watching, but when nobody will know. But why do we admit wrong? Because 
Because admitting wrong is doing right. See, I'd like to say, hey, whatever you do, always do right. But we're going to do wrong. That's what I just want to acknowledge. We're going to do wrong. Whether we're going to be impatient, whether we're going to be short, whether we're going to have them rude, whether we're going to allow the circumstances to rule us. And so we, we are Mr. and Mrs. Grump, the person that we don't want to be. We're, we are that person that day. How many of us have been the person we don't want to be some days? You've been the person at work that you don't like at work. You've been that. Even if that's not your norm, you've been that. All of us have been that. We weren't dependable. We're mostly dependable, but we weren't dependable. We came in tired, we punched the clock, and we did what was necessary, but we drove away knowing, I didn't work hard today. I just kind of did the bare minimum. See, we do right, but we admit wrong. Where there is maturity, there will always be apology. Because maturity is not perfection. And therefore, where there's maturity, there will always be apology. When you have a bad attitude at work, admit it. You mistreat somebody at work, go back to them and admit it. Don't just weigh it out. Well, I'm, I'm nice to him nine out of 10 times. You know, everybody knows. No, just go back and admit it. You treated somebody unfairly? Admit it. Is that weakness? No, that, that's strength at its best, friends. Because doing right is admitting wrong. You tracking with me? Doing right is admitting wrong. And sometimes we, we follow poorly and sometimes we lead poorly and it's important we just acknowledge it. Not only to the Lord, but to those that we have hurt and wronged in the process. We do right and admit wrong knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he'll receive back from the Lord. You ever done something good at work and then nobody noticed? You were like dependable and you worked hard and, it, and maybe the people who didn't work hard got rewarded just as much as you did. And you're like, that drives me crazy. I, I remember when I worked at a place where it really didn't matter whether you worked hard or not. If you had a job, you got paid the same. And it'd drive me crazy. I'd be like, come on, can't you see? They're slackers. <laughs> and I'm working hard. And we're getting the same thing. Not fair. <laughs> what do we remember? Whatever good thing each one does, this will receive back from the Lord. That which I do unto the Lord will be rewarded by the Lord. Did you hear that? That's what, that which I do unto the Lord. You see, it's so tempting when there's no real earthly reward for working hard and being dependable. That's why everybody goes, well, everybody's just punching the clock. I'll punch the clock too. I get the same paycheck. But when Jesus is my boss, I think differently about it. When Jesus is my boss, I go, no, not only do I want my life to be integrated, my work and my faith, but I really believe that the Lord sees and the Lord rewards. He's a perfect boss. And good will be rewarded. Uh, 
knowing that from the Lord, this is the, that's what it said earlier in, in Ephesians, this is what it says in Colossians, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward. There's a, there's a confidence that I know about the fact that I work, not just hoping, I work expecting God's greater reward. And it is greater. It's not just a reward. It's a greater reward, better than any pay, better than any benefits that any earthly boss could give. I'm going to work hard with joy, dependability, and honor the positions with integrity, treating all people the same with mercy and kindness and grace. Knowing that the Lord sees and every good is rewarded. He's a good boss. So there's this fantastic passage in Matthew 25 where Jesus paints this picture in the judgment, in the future, where all the nations come before him and he separates the left and the right. And on the right, he says, are the sheep. And he says to the sheep, welcome to your inheritance and enjoy your reward. Because you gave a cup of cold water and you visited and you helped. And you remember what they said? I don't remember doing that. And Jesus says, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Here's the picture I want to paint for you. And Matt's going to lead us in singing. You can come on up, Matt. Here's the picture I want to paint for you. When I go to work, school or stay home on the weekend. Whatever I do, whatever I do, I want to do it with this sense. I'm not only, track with me, don't, don't lose me here. I, I'm not only doing it for the Lord, I am doing it to the Lord. It's I'm not just selling somebody something. I'm selling to the Lord. Would that make a difference the way you treat them? If in your sales you were going, I'm selling to the Lord. I thought about this for from, from my wife. She's baking up a storm in our house, like mad all the time. And she is so committed to it being perfect. So our freezer has all this, what she calls her um, trials and errors. Because it's not like perfect. And I think if she would ever get a text, I'd like a dozen cinnamon rolls. Jesus. Can you imagine the attention she would give to that dozen cinnamon rolls? Oh, it's not perfect. You eat them, Doug. These are for Jesus. <laughs> you see the distinction we'll make? You eat them. These are for Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to live in such a manner that you don't only do it for me, that you actually do it to me. So when somebody stands in front of you in customer service or you pick up the phone and you're talking to a client, what difference would it make if you did it as if I'm not just doing it for him, but I'm doing it to him? I think your work ethic would go up higher your integrity would increase, your kindness and grace would go way up. It would all go way up if it wasn't just, he's my boss, he's also my customer, my, my client, the person that I am serving. I'm not making that up. That's what Jesus said. So I want you to bow with me. And I want you to just imagine, just in a quiet moment now, whatever you do, can you imagine doing it 
to Jesus. Hmm. Taking care of little kids. Changing diapers. Jesus. Caring for somebody like it's Jesus. Painting their house like it's Jesus' house. But Lord, I'm asking you to grow us up from this divided life, from a cameo life, to a life lived for you, to you, and by you. To the praise of your glory. Let's stand together and sing this. today and as we go uh, throughout this week, would we work unto the Lord and we experience the joy that he has for us? And, and you know, he gives us power to do that. It's not that he just sends us out to do it. He empowers us to be who he is to everyone that we're in contact with, whether it's a customer, it's a boss, it's a coworker. Uh, let's go do that in the confidence that if we ask him and we submit to him, he'll give us what we need. God bless. If we can pray for you, we've got men and women between the auditoriums. We'd love to do that. Have a great day.